This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalofala here too, and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dan Hallatow, and today I'm joined by Sarah Nangama, who's back from traveling around the world, playing a bit of rugby. It's been a while. We missed you. Thank you. I've missed you too. So, so happy to be back in the studio. I feel like it's been a while between drinks. It has been. But you know what? I'm back and I'm better. I'm refreshed. And I, It's funny I, you mentioned drinks. <laughs> anyways, we've got lots to look forward to on the show. We'll be joined by Gold Coast Sun star Huega Owe. We look at things from the bench in You Can Ask That. And we'll find out more about my Pacific Four series in Ottawa. How's your week been, Sarah? When did you get back? So I got back on Monday evening. Okay. Monday evening. And it's been, it's crazy. Like, I can't believe I'm back home already. <laughs> I was actually gone for 30 days to be exact. 30 days. Have you got jet lag or anything like that? No, I've fallen asleep quite nicely. So on the back of Ottawa, I did Vegas and Hawaii. And I'm glad I finished in Hawaii because like my sleep kind of got back into water then. So hasn't been too bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you been training? Yes, I have been. So we finished tour two weeks ago. Then last week, like just kind of relaxed, did whatever I wanted to do. Then towards the weekend, I was like, probably time to blow the cobwebs out. So I used the treadmill at the hotel. Everyone can kind of relate to that. You know, you're like, oh, I probably yeah. should move. And then this week we have remote sessions. And I tell you what, I'm getting through it. I'm getting through <laughs> it. I'm alive. I'm here. I'm trying and I'm just making the times and that's all that matters. Well, anyway, it's good to have you back with us. In Thanks, studio. bro. It's happy. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> Looking at news for this week, Fui Fui Moi Moi. Now, that's a name we haven't said in a very long time. He has signed a contract at the age of 42 for the oldest amateur rugby club in the UK. What the heck? Yes, Milom uh, Rugby League Football Club, which is, um, yeah, as you said, in the UK. Fui Fui has been around a little bit over in uh, the US. He's been in the UK. He's bounced around since his time in the NRL with the Parramatta Eels. Uh, this is... I guess, big news for, for Fui Fui to be able to still be running around. And he's, he's a guy that doesn't really have any thoughts of self-preservation. He's a front rower. He carts the ball up 100 mile an hour. He, he plays pretty hard. So at 42 years of age, to, to be um, throwing the boots on and going around again in the cold north is, um, is a big effort from Fui Fui. Do we sense a comeback from Dean Hallertau? Definitely not. Not inspired in the slightest? Not in any way, shape or form. Love it. <laughs> Moving on and staying with NRL, it has been announced where the NRL and NRLW Grand Final is going to be held and Sydney is locked in with the goods. Yeah, uh, Olympic Park or Olympic Stadium or Homebush, whatever you want to call it. It's got a different name for the uh, for the World Cup, uh, Women's World Cup of Soccer as well. Um, but that's going to be hosting it, uh, which it has been the, the host venue for a number of years, uh, albeit for the um, Brisbane or Lang Park was, was held in 2020 when the, um, the game was held off for uh, COVID. Oh, that's right, COVID. Did anyone forget about that? God, that's becoming a distant memory. Um, so, yeah, great for, um, great for Sydney to have the grand final this week. It's only a one-year deal. They're, they're going to um, revisit things after this year. Um, but I'll be there. You're going to be, be there? there? Yeah, I'll be there. Can you get me a ticket? Yeah, I can get you a ticket. Sweet Nelly, you and I, I were going to the NRL final and NRLW final, more I importantly. Offered, I offered tickets um, to Nelly and, and to Illy for... The third origin denied. They didn't. <gasps> six, and six sixty was yes, there. And oh my goodness! They said thanks, but no thanks. So um, I actually struggled to give those tickets away. <laughs> I can't believe it. You know what? I bet you're, you're happy I'm back. 
Because I would have eaten up all those tickets. You would have taken those tickets. <laughs> I took the tickets that you gave Tommy, me in Christchurch. Tommy could have got you down for the photo of 660 as well. Stop it. I saw that. You look like <laughs> such a fanboy. I was. Uh, anyway, in other news, flipping our attention to the round ball code and football, uh, female journalists and commentators, they're participating in a women in media online trading program. Yes, this is so awesome. It makes my heart so damn happy. But over the past couple of months, 24 female journalists and commentators across the Pacific have participated in a women in media online training program. Now, this is awesome because we know that there is a real shortage of um, Pacifica women in the box commentating and talking on the game. So the fact that there is active training and learning for them only means that they'll be upskilled and that there's no reason to use them. So this makes me so happy being a Pacifica woman myself, and I cannot wait to see more um women that look like me in, in spaces like that. So it's pretty cool for me to, to cover news. Good strategy from them as well. They're, they've obviously the, the World Cup, the Women's World Cup's going on at the moment. So um, the attention around football, the round ball version of football is is heightened and uh, great to have it sort of synced up together with this program running. Uh, 12 have been selected to, to fly to Brisbane um, to participate in further training, um, which kicked off earlier this week. Uh, and that's, uh, like, like I said, really, really good stuff. Over to boxing, Alivaretti Langilangi Dondomo has won the Australian National Boxing Federation Light Heavyweight Champion for New South Wales. For New South Wales, Light Heavyweight. Um, I believe that's around 75 to like 85 kilos, I think. They're it's, just so elite boxers. Yeah. And I, like looking at the picture of him on the, he looks like he's ready to rumble. He's in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, uh, this is great. Alivaretti, well done on um, taking that title. Uh, boxing is, do you fight a big fan of the boxing, Sarah? I don't follow it closely, in all honesty. It's it's one, but it's a sport that, like, I've got a lot of respect for boxers to be able to step into a, a ring, um, a square shaped ring, and take on another person, knowing that you're going to get hit in the head or in all other parts of your body as well. It's um, takes a lot of courage. So to um, come down to Australia to, to to fight for the New South Wales light heavyweight title, well done to Oliveretti. Uh, it's a great achievement. It really is. I just want to mention his father had a huge influence on his career. So he did mention in his um, post-fight um, interview that while it was incredible, he really wished his dad was there to be able to place his belts around him. So no doubt we will see more from this name because Fijian talent, we got heaps of them. Covering all sports <laughs> now. It's switching our attention to rugby and says the uh, World 15s are locked in. Yes, they certainly are. It's been a long and winding journey post-World Cup for everyone to kind of find their place in the inaugural World 15 competition, which will take place in October. But now that Pacific Four has finished, the Oceania Championship has finished, and all of the qualification matches are finalised, teams are locked in. So um, speaking for myself, the Wallaroos, we just finished up from the Pack 4 and we are now locked into the T1 competition, which will go up against the best teams in the world, the like of Canada, England, France, New Zealand and Wales. Um, in Tier 2, we have the likes of Samoa competing against Scotland, South Africa, USA, Japan and Italy. And in third, the third tier, sorry, uh, we have a Pacific nation in Fiji competing against the likes of Colombia, Ireland, Kazakhstan, Kenya, and Spain. Dare I say, Fiji will absolutely dominate that third um, tier, but it's so amazing to know that we'll just have more test matches on the calendar and have an even better shot come the bigger tournaments like World Cup. So this will be the first time for it to be played out. It'll be interesting to see how it goes, but there is so much excitement knowing that there are many more test matches left in us this year. I really, I'm really enjoying the, um, the rebranding. Not so yes. much the rebranding, but how things are going with World Rugby at the moment. International games seem strong. Um, there's 
more structured for like we we seen more of these tournaments um, be announced. The sevens was was reformatted last week. That announcement was cool. So lots of interest in international rugby and excitement for all those nations that are going to be competing. Yeah, you really sense a turn in the tide, and I'm really happy it's it's turning out this way. And can't really wait to see how it all unfolds. Like World Cup is so close, and then the World Seven Circuits kicks off. So lots to look forward to. Bombarded by rugby, the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> Up next, it's Talanoa time. Noah time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us on Talanoa Time today, we have Huego Oya. He is a midfielder for the Gold Coast Suns. He's also the very first player in the AFL to come through the Papua New Guinea system. And it's great to have him here with us today on Can You Be More Pacific? Huego, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Can't wait. First, we'll get into it with, uh, if you can give our listeners a little bit of a background as to who you are and um, yeah, what, what you actually do. Um, so, um, Ewa Gopal, um, my background um, from PNG, mom and dad from um, in Mosby, but different, they come from, um, both come from different tribes. Um, mom from Gulf, like more inland, uh, and dad from central near the water. So, um, growing up back home in Paul Mosby and um, moved down in Gold Coast in 2018 as a 15-year-old and um, lucky enough to get an opportunity in the Gold Coast Science Academy and the Tower country and yeah, now I'm here. Awega, how did your whole AFL career even start? Did it start out with just a call out to come and try out a training session or were you scouted and therefore I guess you, you found yourself at the Gold Coast Suns? Tell us a little bit how your AFL journey began. Um, yeah, my AFL journey started um, when I was back home as a little boy. Um, just playing, you know, in PNG growing up, is um, rugby is a big team back home in the PNG, so... Um, I started playing a um, bit of school footy, um, playing league and stuff, but whatnot. And um, I follow my brother because um, he he play uh, rugby and AFL. So all my AFL um, footy started in um, yeah back home in school footy. So I grew up playing school footy back home uh, under twelve, thirteen, and from there that's. Um, PNG rep footy under 14 state team and 16. So lucky enough to got picked in the rep side for PNG and um, the under 14 and 16 carnival in um, Sunny Coast up in Brisbane. And lucky enough to play in there, represent PNG under 14 and 16. And when you play 16 and they pick the under 16 state team for Queensland. And from there, out of them... Um, in PNG, they picked me only, and I have to come back in 2017 to um, play for, like, a state team for Queensland for three weeks. And that's how I moved down here 2017 for three months, and I play state footy for three weeks. And rest of the month there, I stay with um, O's family down in Gold Coast and play for Broadbeat, uh, Broadbeat Cats. And yeah, that's how I come through all the pathways. I represent PNG and lucky enough to be picked up in the state Queensland under 16. 
Well, you've been quite the journeyman, and I guess it does speak um, volumes of your talent for you to be the only person that was scouted from all the talent that they were able to see. Just speaking about rugby league and AFL, do you believe that the the profile of AFL is growing quite rapidly in PNG? Uh, definitely. You know, now I'm playing in the um, AFL, and um, since last year I debut, and um, all the young kids back home. As I went back for my um, five days earlier this year. Um, in Mosley, I went back for my break, footy break, and seeing, like, going out there and see my local footy club um, training and to get around them and see, like, little ones. They just, they, are, I don't know, like, I can't, like, right, too, too hard to, like, say it because, um, you know, they growing up watching rugby and seeing me playing AFL and, and going there and see, like, I never see too many kids play AFL and to go back and see them training, it was like many of them, you know, they want to play AFL and they said, we want to be like you. So to go back and, you know, hang around with them and kick footy with them is like, I feel so proud. And to watch them play on the weekend too is, yeah, crazy. It's so good to hear and you should be proud. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, have you been able to, when, when you do go back, do you share a lot of the knowledge that you, you've started collecting as as you are in the AFL and with the Sun system? Um, is that something that you like to do, share with the the, AFL, the people that run AFL in PNG, pass on your knowledge? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, play up there as a role model for everyone back home and to go there and, you know, at least like, in my free time, I'll, I'll go with AFL PNG back home. They run, like, massive program up there and, you know, bring all the young kids in and put them to, you know, footy and let them play and enjoy themselves. And to me, going out and share some story in the schools and stuff, um, it's, school footy is, like, big up there as well. So when I went back for my five days break early this year, I went and do some, you know, school visit and um, share what I learned and, you know, not for, keep it for myself, but, you know, spread it out and, you know, teaching young kids, like, basic, you know, fundamental drills and, you know, um, like, meeting stuff, you know. When I first got here, it's, you know, too hard to, you know, speak up. But now it's, like, I feel more comfortable to, you know, share, like, you know, one-on-one stuff with, like, coaches here and to go back and teach, like, the young kids back home, you know. It's crazy. It is pretty special when you're able to go back to a place that means so much to you and, and give back in, in such a special way. For those joining us, we're chatting to Hawaii Well from the Gold Coast Suns AFL team. You're listening to Can You Be More Pacific on Radio Australia and ABC Sport Digital. Talk to us about your debut. You've spoken about how it was such a journey for you to go between PNG and Queensland and back and forth. How special was that moment when you found out you were going to play? Um, yeah, it's pretty special, I guess, like, when I first, like, when I found out that I'm going to debut, um, I was, that that week leading up to the game, um, on our final captain runs there, they said, um, you're going to be um emergency player. Um, you'll travel down to Melbourne on Sunday morning and play down there because our reserve grade play down in Melbourne and seniors play up here. And leading up to the game, um, next day, they said, um, you gotta come, just follow everything, and um, just in case if someone pull out later, and you'll be in. But now they come in the surprise. I was at home, and they said they're gonna. My coach and one of the development coach, they come and uh, they called me and said, "Oh, we're gonna drop some 
stuff for your um, family to take it back home. And they come over and they put camera and stuff in. And they said, oh, you're going to play. So I was, yeah, honestly, all the hard work, you know. Without my family, I wouldn't be here, you know, playing my footy and to, to them come and surprise me like this to say I'm going to debut. Yeah, pretty special. And, yeah, I was so excited, you know, as a young kid growing up, you want to play AFL and, you know, NRL growing up. So to able to play AFL is, yeah, something I dream of growing up as a kid. And, um, you know, all the hard work my family put on me to, you know, come here and fulfill my dream and to debut last year is, yeah, special. Just got goosebumps there hearing that story. That's so cool. Um, and, and tell us about that first kick that you had. You, you, you managed to score a goal with your first kick in the AFL. I don't think many players it's pretty iconic. could say that. <laughs> talk, talk us through that moment. Um, yeah. So literally, like, to go into the change room and, you know, going out, warm up and, you know, playing up against, you know, powerhouse team like Collingwood Magpies, like in Melbourne, they're like big club and, you know, they got heaps of, you know, good players and talent in their side as well. Uh, to go uh, to debut is nothing special than, you know, playing up against Collingwood as well. So to run out there, do warm-up is, yeah, a little bit like goosebump and a little bit nervous in there. But when I run in there to the footy feeling, you know, before we went out there, all the coaches and stuff came up to me and said, just play your game, you know, don't worry about anything. The boys will um, look after you in the footy field. So, when you go out there, just enjoy enjoy the moment. And yeah, the time the time come and I went out running the field and in the same time as well. And footy was coming towards our side. And yeah, I was there in good time and right time. And yeah, I kicked the goal from there. And yeah. Just <laughs> casually, right casually. time, right place. And I just like kicked <laughs> yeah. the goal and I was on debut or whatever. But it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it's so special to hear about your debuts. We've both experienced it at separate times. And, yeah, it never really leaves you the kind of feeling that you experience on the day. Yeah. You've now had some time now in the top grade. Do you have a game day ritual? Um, for me, my game day ritual, um, just wake up in the morning. If we play, like, afternoon game, like, 1 or 2 o'clock game, I'll wake up in the morning, um, have breakfast, like, bacon, eggs, a um, bit of scramble with toast and um, just get ready and, you know, listen to um, music, like Pinji music. And, yeah, on the way to the club, listen to, you know, music. And when I go to the club, we always put our phone away when we go in the club, like put it on a um, case. We're not allowed to, you know, take phones over to the stadium and stuff like this. So so when I go to the club, it's pretty cruisy, get re- um, ready and, walk over to the stadium and yeah into it nice a good uh, a good relaxed approach to your game yeah, yeah. I, I did see some footage online um your family was um they came to one of your games and and they yeah. they stood in your, your team circle you had a big win and they stood in team circle and did the song was that that must have been pretty special their first time out of png is that correct yeah yeah um you know good since last year and year before, I told them that, you know, one day I'll bring them over. But, you know, after, you know, put 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 a work on it and, you know, play really good foot in the twos and, yeah, lucky enough, you know, play more game this year. Last year I played five and this year, you know, that's my goal since last year. I want to play, you know, more AFL game. I know I've got talent and, you know, um, I'll go out there and, you know, play my way and to improve myself. And I thought I did 
this year to, you know, play a game and to to bring my family down here is, you know, they never traveled overseas before and to bring to tell them that um they're gonna come last month, that was, you know, pretty special for me and um and the Orcs game after we beat them and to see them come to the change room and in the zone with us and you know, they always watch it back home and they never met that met that player. They know their names, but to stand next to them and sing the song is, yeah, what, yeah, I can't describe anything. You know, I was so happy and to see them here, you know, they done lots for me, to, lots for me when I grow up. So to bring dad and my older brother, older sister to come here is, yeah, pretty special. I feel like that is going to be a special memory that your family and yourself will always be able to have. That's so, so cool. Before we jump into the last segment of this interview with you, you are inspirational to say the least, and you are an example to so many people back home. But for any young athletes that look up to you, do you have any advice that you'd like to share with them? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, um, advice I have to say is, you know, um, you know, just be happy what whatever things you do, like you know. But the number one thing coming to my mind is, you know. Growing up as a kid is, you know, back home it's pretty different about, you know, lifestyle and um, the education part. So growing up, you know, I, I never speak like English is our second language back home. So to move here was a little bit um, hard for me when I got here different because of the, um, I can speak a little bit, but, you know, it's um, different to live back home and come here because, um, English is the big one for me. And I guess the education part, whatever you do, like education, you know, footy will be there still, but when footy done, what's next after? Uh, I guess, um, yeah, like the advice to the young kids coming or growing up is education, the big one. You know, footy will be there if you get this opportunity, but what's after footy? That's uh, really sound advice. It's probably the first time we've heard that from from anyone about focusing on education, so planning for what comes after uh, your career, which, as we know, is not always long for for everyone. Um, You've got the Brisbane Lions coming up this weekend, so that's a a big match. Third place. I know you guys are are outside the eight, but um, third place Brisbane Lions must be um, a big one on the calendar for you guys. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's the um, Q class, they call it, so... um... They got us a couple of times, so we want to, you know, pay back, you know, the ribbon. So, yeah, you know, everyone's pumped yesterday, our main training yesterday. So everyone trained with good intensity and good mindset and everyone looking forward for um, this weekend. Again. It's going to be good. Um, both grades playing Brisbane Lions for reserves and um, seniors. So, yeah, everyone can't wait to, you know, rest them. It's going to be a good challenge. I think you guys are going to get it done. You heard it here first. Yeah. Go tell <laughs> yeah, your coach that Sarah from Can You Be More Pacific said we're going to get it done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vega, before we let you go, we love to run a segment with our guests where we ask you a series of rapid-fire questions. We don't want you to think too much. We just yep. want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. Are you down to play? Yep. Oh, I love it. All right, the clock <laughs> is on. What have you been binging lately? Oh... Uh... <laughs> what is your coffee order? Um, or chocolate. Who is your most annoying teammate? Uh, Jai Farah. Who is your sporting hero? Uh, Michael Walter, play for Frio. 
What was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, kid growing up. Oh, I love country music. <laughs> what? Who on your sorry? Who in your team is always on their phone? Um, I'll be your trail. Favorite place you've traveled to? Um, Aussie. What's something you could eat for a month straight? Uh, rice and chicken. Which teammate has the best fashion sense? Uh, Tom Berry. Do you have a hidden talent? Um, pass. What song do you play to make you feel good? Sorry? What, what song do you play to make you feel good? Um, I love Penji music. Nice. Take it back to your roots, yeah? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we got through a couple of questions there. You did well, yeah. Yeah. Very quick. Well, Huaygeth, thanks very much once again for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific. Good luck this weekend against the Brisbane Lions and also for the remainder of the AFL season. Hopefully you can push your way up into the finals and uh, we see you in September. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? Sarah, we are back with You Can Ask That, our favourite segment, and it's actually going to get turned around on you because I've got a question, and this comes off the back of the Pac-4 series. Um, throughout that, that tournament, um, you, you yourself came off the bench, and I just wanted to sort of get your insights as to what it feels like from your point of view coming off the bench, and, and what do you think it means in the context of your team as a whole and the way they, I guess, the coaches come up with that strategy? Very good question, Hala. Well, for me personally, I knew going into this campaign, it was always going to be tight between all of the locks that were selected just because they're incredible athletes. And if I was to compare my pack four last year to this year, I only got the last game and there were three games at that tournament. So that was quite tough. So I guess my mindset heading into this campaign is I don't care where you have me. I just want to be part of the 23. Now, coming off the bench is not the way that you want to play the game. But first of all, there's inclusion in the 23, which means someone's missing out. So there's a deep sense of gratitude. So the second part of that, when I went to Muds 2, and for our listeners, I played in Christchurch earlier this year. I came off the bench there and never started, which was really different because back here in Australia, whether it's for Sydney University or New South Wales Waratahs, I'm a regular starter. So coming off the bench isn't as easy as just coming off the bench. It's quite a mindset shift and you need to be able to regardless of what point you come on, whether it's the 60-minute mark, 55-minute mark, sometimes even like the 70-minute mark, is you need to be ready to put in. And it sucks. The biggest thing about coming off the bench is you don't get as much time as everyone else. But I kid you not, because of my experience in Christchurch with Matatu, I feel like when I come on, I don't care what time you give me, I feel like I can make an impact. So um, it worked out really well. Like I think I came off the bench and, and made reasonably good impact against USA um, and the black fans, probably not so much, um, against Canada. And when I look at why I think that is, I think I came on a little bit too late. The game, dare I say, potentially was already lost in the first half that by the time second half came on, the points were already sitting in the 30, 30 point bracket. And we had only scored one try. So, I was sitting on the bench like, okay, what point are we going to make some changes? Like there are tired bodies and it's not because of lack of effort or anything like that. Like those girls have been slogging out there. And I tell you what, that Ottawa heat does not muck around. Um, so I just thought, oh, this is a bit tough. Like that was probably the toughest one to come out for because I 
got about 15 minutes um, and I would have liked to do a little bit more, but I felt like with the time and where the game was already at, it was already a done deal. Did your coach have a, have a conversation with you prior to the games around when you would likely be coming on? Because I know most most coaches would have uh, a plan and how they're going to rotate their, their – but this is um, with my league hat on. This is what happens, I think, in, in most teams is um, they make up their bench and then they decide, okay, we're roughly going to make changes here. Obviously, things change throughout the course of the games and however it's going, but did you have a conversation with your coach about those sorts of things? I did have a, a, a conversation with my coaches and it was always quite clear that I'd come around on around the 50 minute mark yep. that would get the girls to get through the first half, um, start the second half and then make a change quite early. That happened in the first two games. I don't know why there was a shift in the decision come the third game, but um, I just got on much later than what I did throughout the previous two games. So there is an active conversation around it. I guess there's also a part in, I'm sure you can empathize with this, that you don't want to push too hard as to when you're going to get on. But a vivid memory comes to mind about eight years ago, playing one of my first finals for Sydney Uni. I was on the bench, the other team, the opposition were well and truly away with the game. And I think like the last five minutes, like I'm looking at the coach, like tears in my eyes, like I'm such a young kid as well. Like I just want to play. Um, and I couldn't stop crying like after the game because one, we had lost and two, I didn't even get the opportunity to play. And my coach, bless her name, her name's Louise Ferris, she spoke to me and said, girl, she was tough, eh? She's like, girl, if you want to play, you just tell the coach you want to play. You should have come and told me that you wanted to play. I'm like, I don't think I could have been able to do that. But um, I guess there is some some nerves that do exist around asking when are you going to use me because you don't want to put yourself um, up that way. But I think I've learned that being a bench player, you need as much clarity as, as, as possibly needed so that when you do go on, you're just like, okay, I'm here and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I think some some people really settle into that role. Like you see players that know that they're, they've got a, a role to play as an impact player and when they come on, they go 100 mile an hour and they try and squeeze as much effort into their stint that they can, that they know they're going to do. Uh, and then they're quite happy to do that and they get a real rhythm going to the way they play games. I, see, I think of someone like Spencer Lenu out at the yes. at the Panthers and he is an out-and-out impact player and he knows that he's coming on to rip in, go as hard as he can, and then once he's burnt, he's off and they bring back like Fisher-Harris, whoever is that, that's the rotation. So, um, yeah, it is it is a difficult place. I, to your point about like – trying to get on the field when you know when you've been on the bench for ages. I, I used to like pace up and down the sideline doing heaps of warm ups and keep looking up to the to the coach. Like box. can you see me? Can yeah. you see me? And then I'd go have like an on whoever's got the headsets on, on the sideline, the football manager or the, the assistant coach, whoever it is, just give them a nudge. Hey, uh, I'm I'm sweet. I'm ready to go. <laughs> just keep reminding them because I wasn't afraid to say I was keen to get back on the field. Um didn't always work out for me, but but how hey, you got to ask try. the question, right? Yeah, but yeah, I guess to to kind of like summarize it, there is a real it, it's a real different mental game when you're coming off the bench, and if you know that you're consistently coming off the bench, sometimes you can sell into it. Spencer's a, a fabulous um, example of that. Um, but then I guess at the same time, the pursuit of wanting to have a starting jersey needs to be much bigger than that. And that for me is very much a goal. World 15s, that's going to be huge. Like we're playing against the best teams in the world, in the likes of England in particular and France. So it'll be huge and you know to to be the best you want to play the best and so while I am very grateful and and mind you I also cracked into double digits on my test caps on this campaign which is really freaking cool for me um I just I know that bench is amazing but it's not where I want to settle fair enough fair enough on that note, to all of our listeners, we would love to hear from you. If there's anything that you'd like us to answer, please feel free to hit us up on Instagram. Mine is at Sarah Nangama and Dean's handle is at Dean Halitau.
Can You Be More Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Oh my God. You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Stick around, we'll spotlight our favourite socials, but up next we'll chat with Sarah about her Pack 4 series. Sarah, a bit of a different take this week for Island Life because we're going to follow you over to the Pack 4 that you just got back from. Um, tell us a little bit about the about the tournament altogether. Go back to the start about camp and lead-in and I guess, uh, yeah, how you feel that it went. Yes, so just returned from our Pacific Four uh, series where it is a competition where we see the likes of Canada, US, New Zealand and Australia compete. So our camp kicked off um, about four weeks ago. We met up in Brisbane. It was an odd time of the week for us to go into camp. We normally go in on a Saturday, but we went in on a Thursday. So we only had a one-week turnaround to our first test match. So we were based up in the Gold Coast Um Preparation to me, I thought was quite solid. Um, and the Black Ferns, historically, the Wallaroos have never, ever beaten them. But with a new look squad, we really did have a lot of belief within ourselves and each other that we could get the job done. And our first game was at uh, Redcliffe. And you know what? It's so special to me when you get to play a test on home soil because the opportunity doesn't come around very often. And um, heading into that test, a lot of belief. It was just so awesome to be able to engage with the community um, the day before, see the amount of kids that were going to be out there and then walking out for warm up and just seeing, um, you know, so many gold jerseys, but at the same time, so many black jerseys as well. And there's no bigger test match, I feel, um, like going up against the Black Ferns. And unfortunately for us, we fell incredibly short in that first test. We didn't even put a point on the board. And um, that was really disheartening and I haven't had very um I sorry I haven't had many moments like this on the field but I came on I think at about the 50th or the 55th minute mark and I looked up at one point it must have been about 70 about 10 minutes to go or five minutes to go and then I just see like a pool of gold jerseys leave and that is something I think will always stay with me and Often when you're in a circle, they always tell you, remember this feeling because you don't want to feel it again. Or like for us, we're tired of feeling that way. Um, I feel like that really hurt and was kind of like fire in the belly for us to try and go one better um, in Canada, which was the next location for us. Well, you, you have a loss like that. And I've, I've been in that position before, not at the international level like like you have you were there Um but how, how do you bounce back? How do you reset as a team? No, and there's excitement for going on tour and being a part of a tournament, which is great. But then how do you switch your focus up after that disappointment um, to turn around and, and work together well to try and correct things? I think the answer to that is twofold. Is one, a really hard and honest review that requires everyone to be a little bit accountable. But second, you've got no other option but to really flush that game because you have another opportunity. There's not often times that you get two chances to go again and try and right your wrong from the previous week. But for us, we're in a position where we were. And I remember it so vividly. We're standing in the circle um, post-match and Sione, who we've actually had on the show, he's with the Wallaroos assistant slash backs coach and um, looked at us. He said, put, put your head up and look at each other in the eye. And he's like, talk is cheap. He's like, talk is cheap. What it matters is that next week when we go to Ottawa, we prepare really well and we don't feel like this and we bloody win. And I think for us, that was a, a bit of a mantra throughout the week that talk is cheap, actions speak louder. And so the travel, oh my God, I've never been to the Northern Hemisphere, but that was one long haul flight that I've never experienced. And I don't think I have the, the guts, the patience or the capacity for 
poor hygiene <laughs> it'd be anytime soon. Um, but that was, that was quite brutal because we played on the Friday night and then we had to be up and down, like up at about four o'clock in the morning next day. And like next day after any game, regardless whether it's club or state or international, your body's in a world of hurt. So for us, it was like straight on a plane from Brisbane airport. And then I'm going to guess here, but it was like a 16 hour flight from Brisbane straight to Vancouver. And I was sat between my head coach, love my life. He's a good lad, but I'm like, it's not the person you want to sit to for 16 hours, particularly after a big loss. And then sitting on the right with me was our young fullback, Faitala Moleka, who had done her ankle. So she was genuinely immobile. So I was just like, Sarah in the middle. Um, It it was brutal. And um, yeah, we got over to Vancouver, had a couple hours layover and then the jet lag and the heat was something for us to really, really adjust to. And credit to our medical team, they had a whole plan for us in terms of you're going to take this medication when you get on flight one, flight two, you're trying to stay awake, flight three, like, you know, just had a real solid plan for us. But we struggled over the past, like maybe the first four days, one, to sleep well, sleep long enough, and then girls getting up at like three o'clock in the morning and they're just wide, they can't sleep. So luckily for us, when we got in, we just had a gym session that weekend. They're like, we'll give you the rest of the weekend off. Got to get around Canada Day, random, very fun, lots of red. And then <laughs> we had our first session on the Monday and I'm not kidding. It was the toughest session in Ottawa. It, it's summer right now, right? In, in Canada, it's the driest heat. It's like going out into like the out, like it, it's probably a little bit, uh, there's nothing else for me to liken to. Going out to like a rural area where there's like the facilities are so scarce. I don't know why Ottawa was the chosen destination to host, but facilities were so scarce and you're trying to get these international teams in world-class facilities to prepare for their matches. And where we ended up on the first session was like, a. it felt like a reserve, you know, those reserve yeah, parks. Yeah. And I looked and I'm like, there's actual flowers growing out of the ground. Like this is not a rugby field. Um, struggled really hard in the heat. Um, and then once we got through that one, got through the rest of the week, we had a really solid preparation in the lead up to US and we had a brilliant performance um, against them. So that put a lot of belief into the team and um, also understanding in, in our review that that was awesome for us. However, they are a tier two team and so you are expected to do those things. And then the next match for us was Canada and that's been our Achilles heel is that we haven't been able to string two games together and it fell apart for us in that Canadian game. And we just had review earlier this week. And even honestly, for myself personally, it was so hard to watch that game back because I know that I underperformed, but I think all other 22 girls felt the same as well, that we, we severely underperformed. And Canada sit not too bad, right? In yeah. Canada, they're, well, funny you say that because for world rankings, they're sitting uh, fourth and we're sitting fifth. Yeah. So for us, we're like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's, we just need to go out there and do our job. And they're the next team you want to knock exactly, off. Exactly. They're right? the yeah. team that we want to knock off. We can knock them off. We're sitting so closely to them, but, um, they were just on fire and yeah, we, we weren't able to get it done. So the tournament wraps, wraps up, obviously a mixed, a mixed bag of results for yourselves and, yep. um, other things to look forward to, but, uh, what about the end of the tournament? Time to switch off, unwind. Yes. So I've never been to the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so that was really cool for me to one go over and, you know, we often speak about rugby being a global game, but that's the first time for me to really taste what it's like to travel because of the game. And so the girls came back home. Um, I'll kind of touch on the experience more so than mine, but so Air Canada was, um, our carrier and we had the most woeful experience with them. There's no other way to put it. Once the girls got into, so they flew from Ottawa to Vancouver. Once they got to Vancouver, getting ready to board and eight girls get left behind 
because Air Canada have overbooked the flight. How they do that, I don't know. But we're not just chilling in Brisbane and trying to get back to Sydney or Adelaide or whatever. We are across the globe. And it was just poor. And the girls were there for, I think it took for our last girl to get home. There was at least like five days. And she came home with um, the the lady that was overlooking logistics for us. And it's just really poor because one, you're away from home for so long. And particularly for the one that was left behind and came home last, Desi, um, it was such a different experience for her. Pack 4 was like her first international tour with us. But two, she didn't actually get a lot of game, like she didn't get any game time at all. So just imagine like prolonging this process where it's already been so taxing on you mentally and emotionally, and then you're physically stranded. Um, It was just far from ideal. So um, Grace Hamilton, one of the Seattle players in our squad, took to Twitter and was like, girls are crying in distress at the gate. Like, what are you guys doing? an international team and trying to get home. And they finally responded through that, but um, it just was far from ideal. The girls are home and everyone's safe and sound. Me, on the other hand, I had a little bit of a break. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I feel really guilty. The girls are like, oh, you know, I can see the messenger going off. They're all stuck here. Meanwhile, where's Sarah? Sarah's at Encore Pool Club in Vegas. And then Pig Athletic Club, who we've spoken about before, they roasted me. They're like, when they put something on the story, being like, oh, <laughs> Wallaroo's girls stranded in Vancouver while Sarah Nangama's fighting it up with the black friends in Vegas. <laughs> and I looked at it and I, I just wrote back to them, be right back, Major Lazer's about to drop a set. <laughs> well played. Well I was played. like, what do you want me to do? I mean, I, I genuinely empathised with the girls, but I went to Vegas, did about four days there, four days too long, really felt like that place chewed me and spat me out the other end. And then I went to Hawaii for a bit of an R R and R, much needed. Get so, some sleep, get the hygiene, the hygiene, the the nutrition back on and track. hygiene, huh? And hygiene, yeah. I, I didn't. I mean, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I just had an incredible break. It was one week, and I was able to do Vegas yeah. in Hawaii. I was thrilled. Um, I'm back home now, but very much straight onto the mahi train because, yeah, I think we have testing next week. So let's go. It never stops. Never stops. Well. Sounds like it was good, a good experience. Uh, sorry, I should say a mixed experience. It was definitely a mixed experience. But now the biggest thing for us is being locked into the top tier of the World 15s competition, which will take place in October. But before that, we have their Laurie O'Reilly series against New Zealand, which is our equivalent of the Bledisloe. So you know what? One day the Black Ferns will be beaten by the Wallaroos. God willing, it's within my time. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Now, I'm not going to say our social game dropped while you were away, Sarah, because you are the messiah of, of social game. Oosh, what a title. Illy and I often reference that we were trying to hold it up for you while you were away. Well, I'm glad to make my return and, and bring us back up again. So I'll start, I'll kick things off and then you can you can hit the home run with, with your piece. <laughs> but um, I've gone to the Penrith Panthers social page. Penrith always dish up really good content. Uh, Try July has been going on, so players have been doing um, post-try celebrations in the NRL and NRLW in the month of July to raise money for charity. A betting agency is running it, but um, great that um, they're doing this. And the Penrith Panthers smashed the Bulldogs on the weekend, one of my old teams. Brian Toll, no surprise, got a couple of tries. He did two try celebrations. And the one that I love that they've plastered on their um, social media, the Panthers, is Brian Toll and uh, Liam Martin decide to 
do a like figure skating stance. So they've they've imitated Blades of Glory, uh, Will Ferrell movie. Iconic, yeah, yes. And um, it's a pretty it's a pretty funny pose that they're doing. And Brian, I love Brian's face. So if you if you watch the video, the the front on uh, shot of him doing the swimming uh, as Liam's holding him and Aerosmith's <laughs> playing in the background. Don't want to miss a thing. I think it's pretty um it's pretty nice to see the boys connecting like that. I have to say, all of the the try celebrations that have made socials this week have been incredible. They must have had some chat after training. Okay, these this are the is what we're doing. These are the number of like I don't know what do you call them reenactments we're doing, yeah. or these are the ones we're doing. I love it. Yeah, the I sharks. Really Tiana Penitani did. Uh, there was a Tongan dance that they done after she scored her try. Roosters did a World Cup goal. Um, it was heaps going on. It was so cool. I love it. I love it. What do you got, Sarah? Oh, look, you told me to bring it home and this certainly will. As we know, the FIFA Women's World Cup is underway and South Africa, not only are they a talented side on the field, but off the pitch, they're quite the songbirds of the tournament. You have to listen to this. I am in wow. awe. Wow. I, I've got goosebumps and it, it makes me feel a little bit emotional. I don't even know what those lyrics mean, but I just, I want to be in the room. I want to be in that room. So much good energy. Oh, it's like, oh, it just, it fills you with the warm and fuzzies. It's absolutely stunning. Great pick, Sarah. Starts Googling how to get to South Africa before the end of the year. <laughs> ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? So much has happened in the world of sport, but there is still so much to look forward to, starting with this weekend. And in Nepal, the World Cup starts tomorrow. Isn't that insane? Exciting times. Lots of World Cups going on this year, but uh, Nepal World Cup, as you said, starts. The defending champions are the Silver Fern, so they'll be looking to go back-to-back for the first time ever uh, for them. And... uh, yeah, it's great to see some Pacifica teams represented. Tonga and Fiji are in Pool A with Australia and Zimbabwe. Um, Australia, obviously, the, the, the Diamonds are a, a pretty um, feared side in the international scene. So it's going to be um, some, some good netball needed to be played to beat them. It's always exciting to see campaigns, World Cup campaigns in particular, kick off, and no doubt this will be a spectacle. Now over to cricket. The T20 World Cup qualifiers um, for the Oceania region are happening right now in PNG. PNG have already won three of their matches so far, and Vanuatu, unfortunately, have been winless so far. Yeah, and we, we heard from Patricia Kiamo, uh, our, our reporter on the ground in PNG a few weeks ago, about how great this is for um, cricket in PNG to, one, be hosting it, but also for the national team. It's great that they've won all their matches so far. This Friday, we'll see PNG take on the Philippines, Vanuatu taking on Japan, and on Saturday, it's PNG up against Japan and Vanuatu against Philippines, so they're flipping over. Um, great, again, to see cricket going on in PNG. Now, rugby, the rugby championships, big game on Saturday night. Oh, it's Bledisloe season, baby. Now, this is something that every single rugby fan, particularly here in Australia, is really looking forward to. We didn't have a very successful TRC um, campaign, so Eddie Jones has been working, dare I say, quite vigorously around the clock to try and put together a formidable side. Three players have been ruled out, which um, have kind of shocked everyone in the likes of Reese Hodge, Pete Samu and Tom Wright. Now, this is a huge, huge Huge shock, particularly for Tom Wright, because I actually think he's in form. I know that's not very, um, that's not really a popular opinion, but I think the Wallaby side, they haven't released the squad just yet, but I think it'll give us a clear indication who Eddie Jones thinks is his strongest 15 slash 23, because come World Cup, that's going to be the one. 
their target right this weekend is to shock the All Blacks and to set themselves up for Cup. 100%. Looking at our run now towards World Cup, there aren't many games left, so this is a real solid opportunity for us. We're playing down in Melbourne. It's on home soil. It's an opportunity really to, to right some wrongs and restore some belief and some faith into some rugby fans and also to themselves as a squad because a lot of eyes are on the Wallabies and Eddie Jones and I'm hoping that they can steer the ship in the right way this week. I, like, I'm a Kiwi obviously and I've always followed the All Blacks and, and want them to win but I, I might be having a soft cheer for the uh, Wallabies this weekend. I know a few people in the in the system and obviously yourself, Sarah, being a Wallaroo, I might. I just want to see them get up just so they can make it a, a bit more interesting. Interesting. Yeah, 100%. And you know what wins does is it makes people excited and believe. And we're going into yeah. World Cup, which is, I don't know, I think like less than 50 days away. So some wins right now would be really, really important for us. So, oh, and also Mark Hooper's not there. Weird. Because he's injured. So there's just a bit going on in Wallabies camp. So let's just wait till later today when we see the squad list come out. Turning our attention to international rugby, which is still taking place around the world. Last week, we saw Fiji take on Tonga. They had a dominant performance against them, 36 to 20. Japan um, was beaten by Samoa by two points, 24 to 22. But this week, there is a match between Samoa and Fiji. Samoa in the top 10 in world rankings after eight years, and they're looking to bank back-to-back wins to maintain the international ranking. Great again to see Samoa back in uh, top 10. the top 10. That's so cool. In the, in the world rankings. And great to see um, Pacific Nations being able to play international rugby with so much going on and in preparation uh, ahead of the World Cup, um, getting those important matches to fine-tune things as they uh, look to go and compete for the big one. Yes, and also Japan and Tonga, they're both looking to bounce back from some losses last week. So I feel like no matter where you look in the world, you can just close your eyes and point your finger on a map. There's rugby happening there. I've said this already today. There's rugby, so much rugby on at the moment. Oh, it's the best time of the year. It's like Christmas in the middle of the year. I love it. (laughs) Now getting across to the code that I follow more closely, the uh, Rugby League. NRLW is in round two. It was really awesome last week. NRLW round one was exciting. Some really close games and uh, some entertainment um, on, on show this week. The games that I want to focus on are the Knights versus the Cowboys on Sunday, which will be called by um, our Grandstand Rugby League team here on ABC. Um, that one, the Cowboys had a loss to the Titans last week, but they, they opened up the score and they competed pretty hard. It wasn't until um, the Titans sort of opened the, opened the gates a bit and sort of went away with it. But um, we heard from their coach, Ben Jeffries, last week at the Cowboys. He's got a lot of confidence in what they're doing as a group. Uh, I think they can um, make some inroads this season and, and really challenge at the business end. So they take on the Knights who uh, had a great win at home against the Dragons last weekend, 32 points to 16. The other match that will be taking place as part of the dub, uh, doubleheader at Belmore this weekend will be the Tigers versus the Sharks. Tigers had a huge win against the Eels. The Sharks had a big win against other inaugural side, uh, the Raiders. Um, so big, big first up wins for both those teams. Uh, looking forward to seeing that one go on Sunday, as I said, at Belmore. Now, NRL is in round 22, and it's women in league round. Uh, The two games that I want to pay attention to, the Storm versus the Eels on Friday night down in Melbourne. That's going to be at Docklands, um, which is the Storm's temporary home ground at the moment. The Storm are running hot at the moment. Unfortunately, they'll be without Justin Olam this week. The Eels had a tough match up against the Cowboys in Townsville last week. It's always hard coming back from a draining game in North Queensland, uh, and it's a shortish turnaround for them, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, but I think the Storm will get the bickies there. And then the Raiders taking on the Knights on Saturday. The Knights upset the Storm at home in Newcastle, and the Raiders are tracking very, very nicely at the moment. Uh, so I think this game's probably going to be the match of the round. I think it's going to be very close. Uh, these teams seem to not like each other, so looking forward to that one. 
Jeez, there's lots to look forward to. Don't forget you can catch Andrew Moore and the Grandstand Rugby League team calling all the games on Radio Australia. That brings us to the end of the show, but we'll be back same time, same place next week. Don't forget you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bye there. Matolo kia. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.